Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. The poles of the movie are Joy wants to keep the core emotions away from sadness, right? So Joy, the whole movie is keep away, don't touch. And at the end of the movie, because now she understands, wait, I created all of this because I'm trying to avoid sadness, Riley being sad. As Joy's handing the balls, the memory balls over to sadness, this little girl in the back of the theater yells, no! And I thought, oh, there needs to be a discussion in the car on the way home. <laughs> oh, God, I hope there was. I did get some some things from parents that they did have to have interesting discussions with their kids after, but in a good way. Their kids were opening up to them about things and because now they have language to talk about it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. I've been trying to get today's guest on for a hot minute. Her movie affected me. It affected me inside and out. Hee hee hee. Do you get that? Today's guest, we are having on to talk about children's feelings, emotions, internal validation. And she is the brilliant brains behind the Oscar-nominated film Inside Out. She also is a producer and a director. Her name is Meg Laveau, and she's brilliant. She was also nominated for a Primetime Emmy Award in 1999 for producing The Baby Dance. She also produced the 2002 film The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys. She also wrote the script for The Good Dinosaur and also co-wrote the story. She also wrote the script for the live-action Captain Marvel movie alongside Nicole Perlman. And Laveau is married to filmmaker Joe Forte, with whom she has two sons, Aiden and Julian. Did you guys all see Inside Out? Has there ever been... A better movie for adults and children to try to explain our emotions, our brains, our deepest, well, fears, joys, anger, all the things. And I felt like the movie did such a great job of explaining emotions to our kids. And so I wanted to hear it from her first and bring it all to you guys. So here we are today with the one and only Meg Laveau. Welcome to Katie's Crib, Meg. Meg, it's such a pleasure to meet you. It's so wonderful to be here. Oh, thank you for having coming and making the time. I um, It's so funny. I was just going to say thank you for having me, but it's because I'm, <laughs> at the time of this recording, I've just been coming off like a bunch of days of doing interviews. That's funny that that was my knee-jerk reaction. I think 
you come to me through Rebecca Beninati. Is that correct? Oh, yes, that's true. Rebecca and my kids went to preschool together. And of course, we became best friends. So your children and Rebecca's children and my children all go to the same nursery school. Mine are now in college, so a while ago. The movie Inside Out so deeply affected me as an adult. The work that I'm most proud of on this podcast is for kids and adults, similar Mm. to your film. So I have done a ton of research with a ton of notes. (laughs) Okay. If you are a listener to Katie's Crib and you have not watched Inside Out, if you're a pregnant person, you don't have kids yet. If you're a person with small kids, middle-aged kids, older kids, or if you don't have any kids at all, do yourself a favor. (laughs) Watch Inside Out because it is for everyone. Humans. It's for humans. It's for humans. How did you get involved in the project? How did you write the movie? I know you came along a little bit later in the process, correct? Yeah, they were a couple of screenings in. So they spend years researching. And Pete Doctor, it's his movie. It's his baby. And he researched for years emotions. And I think at one point they had 24 and boiled it down to the five. He brought me in because they had their five emotions and locations, but the story. They were really struggling to find the story and what he wanted to say with the movie. He knew he wanted to talk about his daughter and how when she was younger, she was very outgoing and like she'd meet people at the front door and tap dance for them and just so joyful and happy and confident. And then when she turned 11, she seemed to disappear. She was very withdrawn and he literally had the question, what happened to my daughter's joy? I want to go inside her head and find out. Mm -hmm. But as he developed the story, he realized, what do I want to say about joy? What do I want to say about the internal life of any person, whatever age they are? When we were working together, he came to the idea that It's sadness that he really wanted to be discovered and that sadness connects us. It's not something to be avoided and to avoid in your children. It's something that connects us. And what's interesting about the fact that we have this connection with preschool is I wasn't involved in all of that research, but I came in really understanding emotional intelligence. My research was going to that preschool. Social emotional learning. It's like, forget about the ABCs. You're going to learn that. The way you learn that is you have social emotional intelligence. It's the base for all learning. And, you know, what we used to learn at that preschool literally happens in the movie. We used to learn that when your kid is crying because some other kid knocked down their block structure and your kid is furious and screaming and angry or crying, you don't say, let's fix that. You can build another block structure. Let's get back to happiness as quickly as possible, which we all do. We all do it. The idea instead is sit down with them and reflect back what they're feeling so they can start to learn what that emotion is. First of all, can you identify what's happening inside your body? Which, by the way, a lot of adults I know can't even do this. 100%. What is this emotion? So you say to them, wow, you're really mad. I am. I'm really mad, they might say. And then they might start to get tears in their eyes. Oh, I see. Oh, now you're very sad. I'm really sad. Just helping them reflect it and then letting it move through its process. I would be mad, too, if somebody knocked over my block structure. If you were doing a project all morning on your computer and it crashed and you lost the whole thing, wouldn't you, would you be mind. mad? That's right. Why are you assuming this child can't have an emotional life? They worked on something. Right. So if you look in the movie, this happens. Bing Bong's wagon gets thrown into the dump and forgotten, and he's crying, and Joy wants him to move on. She yeah, wants get to get over going. It. 
And it's sadness who has the emotional intelligence to sit down and say, wow, you loved your wagon. I did. And he cries candy. I did. I loved my wagon. It's so sad. It is sad. She just sits with him and puts her hand on his little paw. And then he works through it in joy as a character gets to watch. Oh, this is a different way of being in the world and processing that all of Riley's memories don't need to be joyful and that there is value in all of our emotions. Ugh, everyone, I mean, come on. (laughs) You really had your finger on the pulse in terms of educating people towards this type of learning. Well, it's funny, though, because people take what they take. I had a guy walk up to me at a function, and he goes, that movie changed the way I parent. And I was like, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. What a compliment. And he goes, because now when my kid's sad, I go, get joy on the controls. And I was like, yeah, that's the opposite of the movie, but okay. Yeah, that's not <laughs> the moral that's of the story. Not but the, my first foray into work like this was I was a nanny before I had children. For a family who uh, had me as the caretaker, oh yeah, mm-hmm. not, there are some similarities. Similarities there, not everything. But when I first heard, "Oh, when a kid is crying," my jump to was always like, "You're okay, you're okay, it's okay, it's okay." Okay was like a word I said one thousand times, right? And the teacher, similarly to your story, you know, about if it, you were an adult and this was happening to you, she would say, "In their world, it's not okay." They're not okay right now. And it's okay to not be okay. Fast forward to me having a five-year-old and a two-year-old. I've now since tried getting through sadness or tantrums. I'm lucky enough to say I've tried to get through it 50 million different ways. (laughs) And I can tell you the quickest way out, and I know from you and your movie and other psychologists and experts we've had on this podcast, and the healthiest way out is to actually just sit there, reflect, narrate, listen. It's a way for a person to feel seen, be you 5'2 or 52. It doesn't matter if my sister's on the Zoom and she seems to be saying words that are, I'm fine and I'm just trying to explain something, but I can see in her face what is happening and that there's a lot of sadness coming up. For me to be able to say, hey, are you sad? You know what? I'm just, I want to acknowledge what's happening right now and that this is really bringing up a lot of stuff for you and it's okay you don't have to talk about it but I just want to say I see you I see this it's a way to be seen for your life experience to be real and I think when we say to our kids no you're fine you're telling them that feeling of not being fine is not real but of course it is gosh how does that mix up your brain but listen there is a moment in the movie where mom sits down on the sleeping bag and says to Riley, oh, it's been such a hard move and your dad's been so busy and overwhelmed and we're just so grateful that you're our happy girl. Now, that was a scene that was on the chopping block a lot because there was a concern in the notes that mom isn't likable. It was the hill I was going to die on because I was like, wow, every parent does this and it's out of love. We're not doing it to mess up our child. We're doing it A, out of love because we want them to be happy and B, I'm sorry, half the time because we are overwhelmed. We have no emotional regulation and we're trying to regulate our emotions by regulating our kids' emotion. I found at that that preschool, they're mostly teaching the parents. That's mostly what they're doing. 
it's so much less about teaching my children than it is about teaching myself. It's remarkable. Oh, it is just a Zen experience of self-knowledge every day. It's <laughs> just, can you be with yourself right now? I had a moment where I had... I was trying to plug in my car and I had bags of food and one kid screaming and one kid saying, by the way, I have this due tomorrow at school and there was so much going on. And I went to plug in my car and the electric current went up my arm. No. I just went, ah, and I sat down and my kid went, started screaming, I need dinner. And I lost my mind. Of course. What's happening in my body is, first of all, fear that I almost killed myself. And then honestly, the very next response is, I almost killed myself in front of my children. There is no worse parenting that could possibly happen. Yeah, that, they don't come back from that. They don't come back from that. Yeah. You are such a bad mom. Now I'm yelling because I'm so overwhelmed emotionally and I cannot get emotionally regulated, right? In front of everybody, I'm yelling at my kids. I get them inside and I just go in the bathroom because I've got to get myself regulated. And my little kid comes in and he sits on the tub in the dark with me and he goes, Mama, are you okay? And I said, you know, I have to be honest. I'm not. I'm a little upset. That was really scary. But I'm going to be okay. You know, you have to reassure him he's little. Yeah. But it's okay. And thank you so much for seeing me and coming to check on me. Thank you so much. And he put his hand on my hand and he goes, Mama, I think the universe is trying to tell you something. And I said, what is the universe trying to tell me? And he goes, you're too busy. You're just too busy, Mama. You need to take a break. Sometimes all those years of social-emotional support, and it comes back to you. It comes back to you in this emotional being who can be present with you and who can see you. I feel really confident in the vocabulary I've learned in the last five years and the work I've gotten to do on this podcast and at the nursery school we picked and all of that. But of course, like right before my period, I'm like <laughs> ready to fucking kill someone and I'm cranky and everything is wrong and no one can do anything right, mostly myself. And she falls in a puddle and she's soaking wet and he's like, where is my breakfast or whatever it is. I've taken a, I remember I asked him to brush his teeth like a thousand times just to get out the door. And I just said, you know what, forget it. And I took his toothbrush and I threw it at the floor. <laughs> and I just said, I, mommy needs a timeout. I'm going to take a timeout. I need to remove myself. I'm so angry and frustrated, not at you, but frustrated at the situation and just how the day is going that I need a moment because I'm not the best version of myself. And he always says, mommy, you just need to take a long breath. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And he's five. But and that's I'll tell so great. You, I, I want to throw in his face and I want to say, I don't want to take a breath. And then I go, you <laughs> I know what? Too. Yes, I have to take a very long breath. Thank you for reminding me. But they're modeling. Yeah, they're modeling. They model what we do. We can say all we want a million times. They're going to model what we do. And I also think it's so important, and I can see it now that my kid is a college-age student, that I can see the emotional social training he has with his friends and with other people and with me, he needs to know that he can freak out. He needs to know that he can have a meltdown, that he can lose his social-emotional regulation because he's a human being, so he's going to. Right. So I don't think it's bad to freak out in front of your kids every once in a while because you're teaching them this is what it is to be human as long as you repair. And that's what I keep telling myself, and I put money in the therapy jar for later. You lived with an actual human being who's a mother and doing the best I can. 
Number one. We've had Dan Siegel on Rupture and Repair. Well, if you had Dan Siegel on, that's like the expert of the experts of all of this. Yes, he has come on. Of course, I I feel like I completely botched the opportunity and was like a fumbling, bumbling mess, (laughs) but I tried. But yes, there's a lot of, I think, relief in parenthood when the hard moments come that I'm Mm -hmm. not doing what my, I think my parents did a wonderful job with the knowledge they had. For what they knew. Yes. And I think it's so beneficial for me that when I'm sad that our dog died two years ago and it still comes up sometimes, my son checks in on me and says, oh, are you sad? And I say, yeah, I'm really missing Roger. And sometimes I have a little bit of a cry. My mom used to, I saw her cry maybe twice in my whole life when her dad died and she hit it. She would go to her bedroom. She wouldn't let me see. And so, again, you're painting the picture that there's something wrong with being sad or there's something wrong with being angry when they're not. It's part of the human experience and it's part of something that makes us all connected to each other. How did you find that? On the DVD extras, I don't think they've put it on Disney+. Plus. I wish they would. But on the DVD extras of the film, Pete Doctor is in a state and when he would get confused, he'd go on walks. You can see him. He takes a video out while he's walking in the woods and he's processing what's happening, which is I have this idea, but I can't get it to turn into a movie. Everybody's still saying it's a good idea. They're not yet seeing the story, the movie yet. And I'm really, you can see him processing, I think I'm going to get fired. So what he does is what we're talking about. He just gets emotionally intimate with himself on camera. You can watch him do it. And he is a genius at this. Most of us, when we start to feel those feelings of, oh my God, I might get fired, we start to make excuses or fix it or we move away from it. Or our anxiety takes over and begins to project forward into eventually I'll die alone in a ditch somewhere. It catastrophizes into the future and projects versus staying present with what's happening right now. And Pete is a genius at this. And he, you can watch him on the camera say, okay, well, I'm worried I'm going to get fired. The guy has two Academy Awards at this point, which is just, but still, it just tells you human beings, right? He just starts to ask questions to stay present with the feeling. What am I going to miss if I get fired? Well, I'm going to miss my house because I might have to sell it, but I'm also going to miss going to work every day. Why will I miss going to work every day? Well, because we've had such good times at Pixar. We've had so much fun. Is that the only thing I'm going to mix? No, I'm going to miss them because of the losses we've shared together and that we've been there for each other because they lost two people from the company. There was one of the founding members, Joe Ramph, died in a car accident, and Steve Jobs. They suffered through and were there for each other. And he's suddenly realizing, oh, it's the sadness that brought us together. And it's that connection that I will actually miss is that we went through this together and we were there for each other in our sadness, that the sadness brought us together. And that's the movie. But he was able to get there because he just kept staying with the emotions that are signaling to him something. You know, our emotions are very wise. They're there for a reason. Pete Doctor was just a genius and is a genius at staying with those emotions in order to get the information that they're telling you. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. 
because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. hope little kids take away from the movie. Well, it's interesting because that was a discussion. Will little kids get this movie? And they did a screening for some employees' kids, and they got it better than the adults. They don't have all the layers of resistance that we have. They have not built it up yet. So they're very open to their emotions. They are living inside of them. They're not judging them. They're not critiquing them and trying to push them down. So they really did understand it. Though there was, I went to a, when it was in the theaters, you know, you kind of sneak around and go to different theaters and see how the audience is liking it. And I was in one theater and um, the whole movie, the poles of the movie are joy wants to keep the core emotions away from sadness. Right. So joy, the whole movie is keep away, don't touch. And at the end of the movie, because now she understands, wait, I created all of this because yeah. I'm trying to avoid sadness, Riley being sad. Here, sadness, change these core emotions. Sad because, you know, when you move, all those memories do have a tinge of sadness now. This little girl in this theater, as Joy's handing the balls, this memory balls over to sadness, this little girl in the back of the theater yells, no. And I thought, oh, there needs to be a discussion in the car on the way home. <laughs> oh, God, I hope there was. I, I hope, hope you heard was. that kid and she needs to talk about some stuff. I mean, I did get some some things from parents that they did have to have interesting discussions with their kids after, but in a good way. Their kids were opening up to them about things and because now they have language to talk about it. In this business, your Academy Awards and blah, 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 the best thing that ever happened to me is how this film is now being used to help children communicate what's happening inside of them. Yeah. I was at a, a award ceremony right after the movie came out, and a woman walked up to me and said, your film is so helpful for my job. I work for the city of L.A., and I go in the night of the trauma, and I'm now able to have them talk to me immediately because we can just use your movie to talk to them, and I can get to them. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You must have been. S wow. What an incredible thing Pete Doctor did. What an incredible thing. 
what do you hope parents take away from the movie? And is there a difference? It's a great story, right? And it's for a human being, whatever age, economic status, creed, class, color, it doesn't matter. Like it's a human, it's the human condition. And we get that by digging into ourselves. So I was an 11-year-old girl who wanted to say to her parents, you want me to be happy, but I'm not. I never had the courage to say it, but Riley does have the courage to say it. And it was really important to me that at the climax of the film, when she speaks her truth to her parents, which is you want me to be happy, but I'm not, that then changes the parents because she allows them to be brave and talk about their sadness. And they're able to now let go of their always having to be happy. So the film is for everybody, but it's also, I think it would be extra special if parents could just for one moment allow their child to have the emotions they have. Think about little girls in anger. My friend's daughter for her birthday party in elementary school dressed up as anger. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Coolest thing ever. You must be a great mom because you're allowing a female child to be angry, which I think is one of the final frontiers, female anger. 100%. If a person, a human, a woman cannot have anger, she can't have boundaries. Anger is an important emotion. I'm not talking about a meltdown or freaking out. You freak out and have those meltdowns because you haven't had anything. You've been stopping the natural process of anger. You're not there as a parent to control them. You're there to help them regulate them, not get rid of them, investigate them, identify them. What is this emotion here to tell me? I mean, by the way, Here's the irony of the story. I like sound like the super expert, and I'm such a good parent. I'm in the premiere of the movie, sitting next to my son. When Riley says at the end, you want me to be happy, but I'm not, my kid leans over to me and goes, well, I know what she's talking about. So there you go. I (sighs) did. You can. You're going to do it. I'm sorry. You're going to do it. And that's why there's also the therapy jar. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's like we're all just doing the best we can. (laughs) It's just a ratio game. My mom says the same thing about my kids eating their vegetables. She's like, I always used to say, does it add up at the end of the month? You know, <laughs> is the ratio better? It's sort of in your way, is it, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. And looking at what your son said to you in the premiere, your two children, now one is in college at the time, and I'm not sure how old they were when the movie came out. What did they love about the movie and how did they respond knowing that you wrote it? Well, of course, they're kids, so they want to see themselves in it. So the first thing is, was that me? Was that something that I did? So adorable, because don't we all do that? Um, They were very proud of their mom, and they loved the movie. And I also wrote The Good Dinosaur with Pixar, which was even more personal for me. I have a special needs son, so a little dinosaur who can't figure out how to do anything and how this all works and how he fits. And uh, your kids never talk to you about that stuff. Like, your kids aren't like, Mom, let's talk about the movie. They're you just wrote kids length. who are like, can I get a bigger popcorn bucket? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are there sure. refills? Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. I know you said that a lot of the nursery school you sent your kids to had already done a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of this sort of work. Did the movie further enhance or change your parenting at all? So at Pixar, when you do an animated movie, you're showing the whole movie in board. So, you know, employees come in and watch it and give you 300 sets of notes, right? And we went so fast that I just puked that out of my soul one day. And now we're suddenly in a theater watching it 
on a giant screen with all these people, and I hear Riley say, basically, you want me to be happy, but I'm not. And my whole body started to shake because I just broken the code, man, the embedded DNA code of my childhood. And in front of all these people, I literally was like, oh. I'm getting fired. Like my oh, catastrophizing started. Yes, I started yes. sweating. I, it really helped push me through that threshold and speak my truth. And by somehow speaking your truth in such a public way, it changed me. And by me being able to speak my truth, I think I can therefore allow my kids to speak their truth. Half the time we can't let our kids speak their truth because we're not speaking our own. It's like all backwards, right? So I think that's mostly how it affected me. So brave. <laughs> I can't imagine that. It's like why stand-up comedy is so frightening or oh, yeah. like being a singer is so frightening. I mean, I bring my own self and my own personal experiences to a character, but I'm still hiding. Like, it's not me. I can still, I'm not you, like, writing this, oh, God, that would, I get sweating just even, like, thinking about that. It's funny, on my podcast, when I'm talking to creators, and again, any, creating anything, I think being a parent is being a creator. You know, we talk about lava. If you're really doing it, you're going to hit some lava. It's going to burn sometimes. It's going to bring up that hidden stuff that, that you've been ignoring or that unconscious soul stuff that the brain wants to bring it up now. It wants you to look at it, and it can feel like lava. I don't know about you, but I had that experience at the preschool, and I watched other parents have it because when you're trying to help learn emotional regulation, your stuff comes up. And there's a, we had another wonderful author on, I think maybe season one, no, maybe season two of this podcast. We had this writer named Shafali Sabari who wrote The Conscious Parent. Mm -hmm. She talks a lot about you get the child to who's going to teach you the most. And <laughs> yes. I, rem yes, and I remember I have a huge people pleasing societal norm. I was thrown right out of left field with anything I thought parenting was. The minute my kid at two years old hit the shit out of a baby on a New York City public playground and everyone's looking at me and angry at me and, and it's my fault and I'm a bad. And of course, who the fuck knows that they were actually thinking lava, lava, lava. And my son is not conflict averse and I am conflict averse. And it's been the greatest life lessons of my life, reteaching myself how to advocate for someone and reteach myself yes. why do I care what people think. Like, it's unbelievably incredible, this journey of lava. It's incredible, of lava. <laughs> and here's the thing as parents, just let's be honest, half the time we're like, I don't have time to deal with this lava right now. It's going to submerge again and send off little weird signals and you're going to do weird stuff and you don't even know why you're doing it. It's up. It's walking around. Your belief systems, that lava... I had a situation where I was getting on a train and we've got luggage, we got kids and there's so many things and this train's going to leave. It's going to leave the station and we have to get seats. Why aren't there assigned seats? And this guy in front of me is going so slow. And he's like asking people, can you move over? And I'm like, we have to get a seat. The train is leaving. And so I'm like, excuse me, can you let us pass? And I'm clearly pissed off. And now the guy moves and I see why he's going so slow because he's got his wife in front of him who's holding up two kids. 
Oh. I'm Karen all of a sudden. And literally, they both turn back and look at me, and the whole train's looking at me like, <gasps> How dare you? How dare you? you? She's yeah. so mean. And I sit down, and all oh, the lava's coming up now. Like, I'm literally like, I was the bad person. I was the, uh, I was, what am I doing? Ah, I was such an asshole. Ah, ah. And I'm like, why, why was I so nervous about the train leaving? Like, we're on the train. Hold on. Just like, take a breath. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can just ignore this right now and like, go get a cookie. Or I can say, what? What was that about? And just sit in the, I was so much lava. And I was like, there's something about being left behind. I'm so afraid of not having a place and being left behind that all my lava comes up around it. And so I had to talk to that little me and say, you're all right. You're all right. This is all happening in five minutes on a train because I let the lava just be present for a minute because it feels like it's going to burn you up into nothing, but it's not. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Academy conversation panel for the Oscars. Be there with them where they are. I think that's really an easy way to put it. It's like whatever emotion they're at, it's just meet them where they are. Yeah. Be with them. Be with them. You have to be present. You have to be in your own being, right? Your own experience of being with them, which can be hard. And to be with them, and that means you're going to have to be with yourself. Oof. Did anyone know when we signed up for this parenting shit that it was going to be like all about? <laughs> oh, us? my God. Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> Have, it reminds me of we had this psychologist on named Zachary Blumkin, who's great. He has three boys. And he was convinced. He said, I, I'm pretty sure the world would be a different place if everybody studied the rabbit listened in school. 
Oh, Do you know this book? I don't know this. It's a book about a little boy is building a block structure and a whole herd of crows come in and they break it all down. And a bear comes by and he's like, let's fuck him up and get even with them. And then a <laughs> snake comes by and says to the little boy, let's plot revenge or, you know, of something. And then someone, another animal comes by, all different emotions until a rabbit comes at the very last page and just sits. And the boy just tells the rabbit what happened, mm-hmm. goes through a whole array of emotions, and the rabbit just listens. And then the boy moves on. You do. Can you explain also, in layman's terms, what emotional intel? Maybe I should have started with this, but whatever. You're welcome, people. <laughs> I'm a great interviewer. What is emotional intelligence, and how is it different from social emotional learning, or is that the same thing? Yeah, I'm no expert for sure, but my understanding of it is emotional intelligence is about you understanding your own emotions. You can identify them. What is it that I'm feeling, and then you can regulate that, i.e. be with it and allow it to give its information that needs to give it you so it can wash out. That alone is emotional intelligence, right? Social intelligence to me is more outside of you. Can you identify that as an emotion on another person's face and what that person is asking for or needing? Or It's a little bit more outside, whereas the emotional intelligence to me is about it internally. Can you regulate your emotions and know your emotions versus just put them in a trunk over there. God. Oh, God. <laughs> One big-ass trunk. Um, is there anything you want to teach your children that you felt you missed in your own upbringing when it comes to emotions and validating them? Yeah, I definitely, listen, again, our parents did what they could, given what, the, what they had, what they the tools, yeah. and there were five kids in my family. They really approached it more like my father, who was a, a Navy pilot. He kind of approached it like the Army. Like, he literally would say, this is not a democracy. It's interesting because my father was big on the word responsibility, take responsibility. And I totally understand that. And I think consequences are something that every kid needs to learn. I'm just trying to do this with my kid right now as a teenager and will not get out of bed in the morning. And so I've called his teacher and I've said, he's going to be late for school probably for a couple of weeks because he has to learn the consequences of not getting out of bed. Like he just has to. But my dad was all about responsibility, responsibility. And I, it wasn't until I was an adult that I was like, the word response is in that word. I'm allowed to have a response. My father only wanted it one direction. Your responsibility to me. Again, because that's how he grew up and that's what he was taught. Of course. How you keep the craziness of five kids, which I'm sure. On the track. Well, keep the track Bananas. The track. That yeah. must have been bananas. And as an adult, it's like, no, but then I need to have a response. And I want my kids to be able to have a response. They're allowed to participate. They're, what's happening with you? What's going on with you? Of course, not all the time, because life is what it is. But in general, they're allowed to participate in this. It's their life, too. What can we expect for Inside Out 2? Are you allowed to talk about this? No, of course not. No, I cannot ah, talk about it. Ah, we're in Pixar. We're not allowed to talk about anything. Well, but Amy Poehler, Amy Poehler in the announcement let people know there will be new emotions. So that we can say. Whoa. This is so exciting. I am so <laughs> very excited. And when it comes out, oh my gosh, we would love nothing more than, but for you to come back on and tell us oh, that'll be all fun. the things you've learned and... Yeah, there's a whole other kettle of fish, man. There's a whole other more stuff to talk about. That excites me and also terrifies me. Okay, so there's not much you can tease there. 
what advice would you like to give your kids? Are they do they have any birthdays coming up? How old are they right now? My son is going to be 20. I can't believe it in July. Please, I just I can't even process it. I'm just t- constantly asking him to stay with himself because it's easy to get all worried about what everybody else is doing. And this poor generation, they can see what everybody's doing around the world. Like, we, I never knew what anybody else was doing. <laughs> I barely God. knew what people down the hall in my dorm were doing. Thank God. I feel so relieved about that. It was pressure enough when we didn't know. I can't imagine. I just, you know, it's just like, dude, you're young. This is the time to have fun and just... You don't have to get A's. I don't care about that. That's not what this is about. This is about experience and making mistakes. Make the mistakes. Pixar, the motto is fail fast because they, as a creative being, they want you out on the edge. They want you pushing. And what else when you're 20 should you be doing? You should be trying stuff. And do you like it? Was that fun? And he's finding out. Experiment. It's just encouraging him. And he's good at that, too. Yeah, I got to say, as a 40-year-old, I regret that I didn't live more on the edge in my 20s in some way because it does feel too late. I didn't get my nose pierced, and now I think about it. And I should have fucking done it when I was 20. (laughs) Why can't you get your nose pierced? Wait a minute. Why can't you get your nose pierced? I mean, because I just am like, ugh, like now I work as an actor, and now I'm going to have to get there early, and they're going to cover it up. And if I scar because I... (laughs) I have those that thing. Okay, the actor thing is a good all this dumb thing. Uh, That's a pass. But I should have done it. Like, why? (laughs) Who gives a shit? Like, just a little bit more of that. I was such a goody two shoe, and I was so interested in success and working hard and being validated for my talent. And I love Pixar's thing: fail fast, baby. Like, just let live on that edge yet a little bit. Yeah. And of course, I don't mean physically. Like, I don't want him drinking and driving. And Oh, God. No, I'm no, talking no. about emotionally, creatively. He's in a, a film school. Try like, a now class. Like, try, try a class. Try like, stuff. Go make something that might be a piece of shit. Who cares? It will be. My, <laughs> It's going to be that. Like, every, that's what we say on my podcast all the time. These people who are like, I wrote a first draft and it was bad, so I must not be a writer. And I'm like, no, it's the opposite. That means you are a writer and welcome because everybody's first draft suck. Like, just experiment, have fun. There's time for this whole like obsession with being the best and success and picked out and chosen because of the social media stuff they have going on. But Okay, we asked this to everybody. I'm curious what your answer is. And it can be long or short, whatever. Parenthood is... Long and short. There's the days. It feels like so long. Oh my God. You're Last like... night's bedtime, I was like, we've, this is a, I was like, this, we are on a plane of, we are in an alternate reality of Groundhog's Day. Time stops. It's such a cliche. I used to hate when people said this to me when I was, my kids were little. It's so short. Like, I can't even believe it. But, you know, ultimately, parenting is a privilege. It is a privilege, but it's lava, man. There's going to be some lava. Is there anything else where listeners can find you and listen to you more? I have a podcast that I co-host with my friend, Lorraine McKenna. It's called The Screenwriting Life. Don't let this title fool you. It's really about the life of any manifester, any artist of any stripe. And honestly, I think parents are artists. You are, your creation is right in front of you. So it's just about some of it's the craft of writing because it's a writing podcast, but a lot of it is life stuff. So if you want to hear more about lava and where that term came from, 
come over to the screenwriting life. I'm listening to it immediately. I'm all about the lava. I'm so honored to have met you. And thank you so much for spending time here with our listeners. And I'm so excited for Inside Out 2. Thank you. What a gift Inside Out 1 was for everyone who's listening. If you want to do something for yourself and for your kids this weekend to give you all a common vocabulary of how we can best honor, process, and learn from our emotions, that movie is it. Thank you. That was great. Yay. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. I want to hear from you. Let's chat. Questions, comments, concerns? Let me know. You can always find me at katiescrib at shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.